You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. During worship, I saw um, what looked to me to be like Satan swinging an axe at someone. And I think, I think it was you back there in the orange shirt. And... Uh, and I saw the angelic realm step in and totally divert it from you. <clears throat> and what I heard was, I heard the angelic realm saying to you, what's your name? John? Jonathan. Jonathan. I heard, when it happened, I heard the angelic realm say to the demonic, not this one. <laughs> and it was more of an impression I got after that, that really what the Lord was saying in that was that for you, your, your future is one of exceptional impact in the kingdom. Um, and I don't know what that looks like. I don't want to presume to know what that looks like, but that's what the sense that I was getting, that it was such a high level of protection. It was like angels. If there's a hierarchy in angels, it was high level angels sent to keep from happening what was supposed to happen to you with the demonic design to happen to you. And it's, and it's, they're saying not this one, because there's an exceptional level of impact that God has designed for you to have for the kingdom. And for you really, from this point on, it's not, you don't have to work for this thing. You don't have to strive for this thing. All you have to do is just sit and ruminate in his love and it'll be revealed to you. It'll be totally revealed to you and it'll come with such effortless ease in the whole process of it. So anybody agree with me that that'll happen? We just say yes to that, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw something else happening. I love it. I don't usually get to have the perspective I have during worship with Caleb and Jamadi leading us this morning to be able to back the room. That's unusual for me, but I could feel in the spirit. My, my focus was different because I could see things in a different way. And so I could really feel the angelic realm moving around in the room. And guys, we shouldn't take these things for granted. We can say, yeah, that happens. Yeah, angels. We can't take those things for granted. We have to recognize the fullness of the kingdom of God and all of its commodities that it has. All of its, the angels, meaning messenger, the messengers of God. We have to be paying attention to those things. Because if, if we don't, we reduce this thing down to religion and we try to, in our own lives, in our own ability, try to find the way to live out Christianity. I'm telling you, you don't have it in you to do it. I don't have it in me to do it. When our awareness shifts to what's happening into the kingdom, all of a sudden there's a, dispense, a dispensing of grace, if you could say it like that, that helps us in the very thing that we need help in. And we don't have to go strive and fight for it. It just lands right there and we recognize it. Let me put it another way. Everyone in this room has in heavenly commodities, you have a bank account that is absolutely beyond putting a number on. You have that. But there's a difference between having it in your account and having it in your possession. And unless we change our awareness to what's happening in the kingdom we don't have the, we can walk around and say the words i have the dna of heaven well it's true but at some point we've got to make a withdrawal on that 
and hold it instead of saying, I have that in my account, I have that in my possession. And when I hold it in my hands, I have the ability to release it. My wife and I, we have furnished most of our home with Craigslist. You guys are familiar with that? We've, we've done so much stuff. We do a lot of stuff with Craigslist. It's a weird kind of thing. You meet really strange people, but you can really bring the kingdom when you do this. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm just simply saying that when I do something on Craigslist, it's cash transactions. I can't go to somebody and say, yeah, I'd really like to buy that couch from you. I have a whole bunch of money in my account. I have to have it in my possession in order to be able to release it and receive. Does it make sense? It's one thing to make the declaration and have a, uh, a mind that says, I can agree with what the word says. But then at some point, we have to access the account and bring it in and say, how do you access the account? Listen, set your mind on him. All of a sudden, it starts to change and you start to, start, you start to think like he thinks. You start to believe it so much that you access it. I don't know. There's not a formula, and I certainly could not reduce it down to a formula. There's no formula on how to access the things of God. Most of it, my experience, is found by simply sitting down, shutting up, closing my eyes, and just being. Okay, God, talk to me. Talk to me. Hello? Somebody had something going on. There was a physical issue that was going on and it was in the left side. Somebody in their left side right here. Is anybody having something going on on their left side? I don't know what it was. I don't know my anatomy very well on what's on the inside. I know the outside. Where is it? Right there, a little lower, right there. Everybody just extend your hands over here right now and just say right now in Jesus' name, whatever it is, it doesn't belong, it's illegal, and it's trespassing, so get out. And right now, the full presence and healing power of Jesus Christ manifest inside of your body and remove whatever's going on there. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pay attention to that. Somebody else? Yeah, over there. Lower left side. Everybody extend your hands over there. Come on, just release the kingdom. You've got the DNA of heaven, right? You've made a withdrawal. You have it in your hands. Release it. Yes, in the name of Jesus, all the pain leave. It's wrong. God doesn't give pain, church. He doesn't. God doesn't give pain. And I felt this morning, too, there was a shift going on. Now, this one's a little more nebulous. It's not physical. I felt a shift going on in the way we think. That there were mindsets being changed this morning to receive the simplicity of Jesus Christ. Paul talked to the Corinthians about this. He said, I am concerned for you, lest you be drawn away from the simplicity that is Christ. It's all about him. It's all about the simplicity of Christ. Everything else has to take a backseat to the person of Jesus. Let me give you a case in point. This came to me this morning, just meditating. You okay if I keep going in this direction for a minute? You see in the old covenant where... The eyes of God are looking around the earth to and fro. They're looking for one man, right? Yes. And we think it's something to be held on to to say, I'll be that man. I'll be that woman. The eyes of the Lord were looking to and fro for one, and they found him in the person of Jesus. Hello? Again, we can't make it about ourselves. It's always got to come back to him. Come on, I know I'm speaking something this morning. I don't know if it's connecting. It's all got to come back to the person of Jesus. 
Absolutely everything. There's nothing you do, nothing you can say that can make your relationship with him any better. He brought you into him so fully and completely, and he did it before you even asked. (laughs) While we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive and made us sit with him in heavenly places. He did it before. He didn't even give you a choice. Remember, I've said this before. Dead people don't have the ability to make choices. He brought you into him. Now he made you alive. Now alive people have the ability to make choices. Where am I going to live from? Where do I want to live from? Do I want to live from heaven or do I want to live from earth? Do I want to access what is in my account and broker it into the world around me? Or do I still want to beg God on earth as it is in heaven? On earth as it is in heaven. Or do I want to say, no, on earth as it is in heaven. It's inside of me. Yeah. A shifting in our perspective is called a life of repentance. Repentance meaning to change our mind. So when we're starting to think like he thinks, then we're really repenting. When we start to think like he thinks, then we're really repenting. And at that point, we'd be able to say, yeah, I'm lining so much up with you, I'm beginning to look like you. I'm beginning to talk like you. Everywhere I go, I see things happening that look a lot like you. You can't see this with the natural eye. You can't. It's, you know, when Paul talks about it, he says the things that are seen, they're temporary. The things that are unseen, those are the eternal things. Those unseen things are the things of the kingdom of God that we have to start thinking about. How do you think about something that's unseen? I don't know. (laughs) I catch it in part sometimes, but it all comes back to this single focus of saying, it's all got to come back to you, Jesus. It's all got to come back to you. Every sacrifice we see in the Old Covenant points to Jesus. Every festival we see in the Old Covenant, every feast points to Jesus. Every one of them. You can't escape it. Hmm, yeah. Hmm, Jesus. Yeah, hold your hands out for a minute. I'm just going to stay on this for a moment. Okay. Holy Spirit, I'm not going to do this. You're going to do this. I just want you to speak. You don't need a mediator in me. You've got one. He's the mediator of a new covenant. He's opened up a new and living way. And the new and living way, guys, is not one where you have to fight to approach. You're right there already, smack dab in the middle of him. You're right in the ooey-gooey center of him. You're right in the very, all you got to do is talk to him. Yeah. Come on. Depression is getting kicked in the teeth right now. Come on. There's depression right now. Depression is getting kicked in the teeth. You're, You're beginning to see it for what it is. It's demonic and it's assignment from the pit of hell. It will drive you to all kinds of, of negative thinking. Right now, suicidal thoughts right now break in the name of Jesus. That's not God. Okay, Lord, right now, in place of that depression, in, in place of suicidal thoughts, in place of worthlessness, right now, Holy Spirit, show everyone in here what they get in place of that. Now pay attention, listen to me. He's going to show you something. What are you getting? 
Oh, he's giving out good stuff. Even the least of his gifts is the most amazing thing. Yeah. Double-mindedness, indecisiveness. Right now, if that's a pattern that's gone through your life where you can't make decisions, where you ponder, 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 think, 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 to the point where you can't move, it paralyzes you. Right now, that breaks right now in the name of Jesus. The stinking thinking. Right now, break in the name of Jesus. That's demonic. It's, it's what I call circular thinking. It's pretzel logic. Demonic logic is pretzel logic. It goes everywhere and nowhere and ends, back, ends up right in the same place it started. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, just all of that gets released right now. The what ifs. The what ifs. The second guessing on choices that you have made. Okay, right now. Take that to God because right, you're right in the middle of him right now. You're right smack dab in the middle of him. Say, Holy Spirit, what do I get in place of the what ifs? What do I get in place of those thoughts? Now listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, now you're praying. Now you're praying. When you start asking God what he thinks, now you're praying. All prayer really at its core comes down to coming into agreement with God. So just ask him what he's saying. What are you saying, God? Yeah. Yeah, just soak that in a minute. The word says in three different locations, it says in Corinthians, it says in Ephesians too, it says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So right now, I'm saying because that's what the work of Holy Spirit does. He seals you. I'm praying that he will seal those things that God has spoken to you about your identity, about what you get in place of the things that have robbed you, that those things right now get sealed in your heart and in your mind. It's like being put in a location where they're completely safe, where they can't be robbed anymore. Think of something that you have that's valuable to you. You know right where it is, don't you? You take that thought that God has just put in your mind. If that has value to you, then you put it in a place where you know right where it is. Wow. You say, just say, agree with the Holy Spirit. I want you to seal this inside of me. Yeah. Listen, when he seals something inside of you, he doesn't seal it up in a box that's dark and inaccessible. He seals it up like in a glass case so that it can be revealed to the entire demonic realm. That's what Ephesians 3 talks about. It says that you and I have received Holy Spirit. We've received this deposit of God inside of us so that we might be, as the church, 
to the principalities and powers. We might de declare God and his good work. We might declare it and reveal it to the principalities and power. So the seal, the seal, the deposits of God inside of you are things that he puts inside of you, but he puts them in plain sight. And yet they're sealed up at the same time. So that you can reveal by your profession of God's goodness and you're holding on to it and your declaration, you're saying to the demonic realm around you, look, what he's, look what's inside of me. Take that. Yeah, this is, this is how we steward. This is how we steward what God gives us. You take what God's deposited inside of you. You recognize he locks it inside of a vault. It's a glass vault that the demonic can't touch, but you can see and they can see. It's like it's taunting them. Jesus says in Colossians that he came and he made a public spectacle through the work of the cross, right? And he's disarmed every power. Disarmed. Completely disarmed. It has no power. The only power the demonic has at this point, at this age that we live in, is the power that we give him by believing the lie he speaks. Yeah. He's completely powerless. So when he comes to lie to you about the very thing that God has just showed you is inside of you, then you can say, no, look what's inside this glass case that you can't touch. You can't touch it. And it's visible not only for them to see, it's visible for you to see. Oh, church, it's better than you think. It's better than you think. It would have been fine with me had Jesus set aside his divine prerogative and come to this planet just so that I wouldn't have to go to hell. That would have been fine with me, but it's not fine with him. That would have been great, but he's got a better idea. It's not about getting out of hell. It's about coming into union. It's about coming into intimacy. It's about coming into a place where we co-create with him. Where we hear the words he speaks, we begin to speak them, and our entire culture and everything, atmosphere shifts around us. You know what I'm talking about when you say what God says, and you feel it change, right? Some of the core commodities of this thing of Christianity, confession, repentance, and forgiveness, are the most powerful things on this planet. Why? Because they're God commodities. They're things that are given from heaven. Forgiveness. You know what it's like when somebody hurts you and you release forgiveness from a pure heart. You release forgiveness to them. It's not just something that's saying, I'm not, I'm not holding you on my hook anymore. It's something that's saying, I'm releasing the kingdom of heaven right now. And you feel it because forgiveness is not just an event. It's a force. It's a force that happens. When it's released, you feel it happen. If you've ever been forgiven of something, when you've done something wrong and you've asked somebody, will you forgive me for what I've done wrong? A force gets released when they say, I forgive you. Wow. Why? Because it's something that comes from heaven. It's not of this earthly nature. It doesn't even make sense on earth. When I hear of stories and actually have heard people say this, I will never forgive that person. I'm like, man, that's so unfortunate. Christians, believers who say that, that's so unfortunate because you're missing out on part of heaven. You really are. It's not even about taking them off your hook and putting them on God's hook because God doesn't have a hook either. You're releasing to them what it means to be off of the hook and even being off of God's hook. 
Confession, it's the same thing. When we confess, the word means homo legeo in Greek. Same word. Homo logeo from logos, word. Same word. When confession is saying, I'm going to say what God says. There is no other word. He is the word. This is making sense. Forgiveness, it's a force, it's a power. Confession, it's a force, it's a power. Why? Because we're lining up with what heaven is saying. When I confess and say, this is what God says about me. How many in here are the righteousness of Christ? Okay, how many in here are the righteousness of Christ? Let me see your hand. Yes, like it or not, you are. Feel it or not, you are. But I don't feel like it. Well, aren't you glad we don't live by our feelings? Aren't you glad feelings do not dictate my reality? My feelings are simply my perceived reality. They're real. I'm not saying don't ignore them. They're real, but they are my perceived reality. Confession, saying what God says. All of a sudden, my heart, my soul begins to line up with it. Repentance. Confession, forgiveness, and repentance, these three core commodities of heaven, if we can hold on to these things, have no idea, I had no idea I was going to talk about this. This okay with you guys? Repentance, you know, we talk about that all the time in here. It does not mean turn and go in the opposite direction. It does not mean that. It means to change your mind. You start thinking the way he's thinking. When we start thinking like that, all of a sudden, everything that I thought I had a problem with, I don't really have a problem with anymore. Why? Because I have, as a result of changing my thinking, I have turned and gone in the opposite direction. I can walk into death or I can walk into life. Mm. Mm. Listen to what he's saying. Because every time he talks, he's transferring something into your account. Every time he talks, he's making a deposit into your account. Yeah. You know, Mary, since we're in Christmas, I feel like I have to talk about this. I don't, but I will. (laughs) I'm not very good with themes. God sends an angel to talk to Mary. Mary questions it because she's still in the natural and she goes how can this be i've never known a man how can it i can have a baby how is this absolutely this is impossible the word comes to her the word also comes to elizabeth mary and elizabeth come together start talking about it only to find out that my gosh He's doing some pretty amazing things. It says of Mary, after Jesus is born, everybody's like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be the Savior. This is all this stuff. And everybody's going, woohoo, look at all these great things. Everybody's amazed and marveled at what's happening with this proclamation of the angels about the birth of Jesus. And it says of everyone else, they were all amazed. It says of Mary, she pondered these things in her heart. What is pondering? Last week we talked a little bit about it. It's meditating. It's meditating. How many in here meditate? Let me see your hand. Every hand in the room should go up. Because everybody meditates. We just need to change the subject matter. When we start thinking about what he thinks about, that's where the transformation begins to happen. 
Twice in Luke, it says of Mary, when the angel talked to her, that it says, you're the highly favored one, or you have found favor with God. Everybody's loved by God. Not everybody carries the same amount of favor. It's true. Even of Jesus, it says he grew in favor with God and with man. So even Jesus grew in favor with God. How is that? Jesus, perfect Jesus? How does somebody who's perfect and the son of God, how does he grow in favor with his father? He grew in favor with his father because he stewarded the word. He stewarded what was spoken to him. Remember, Philippians tells us that Jesus, and my own paraphrase here, he set aside, set aside his divine prerogative. He didn't think it something to be held on to, be, to be equal with God. He had the ability to do anything, but he set all of that aside. And he says, I'm going to take on the form of man. I'm going to take on man so fully that I'm going to expose myself to what they get exposed to. And you and I get exposed to competing voices, competing words all the time, don't we? Where one word comes and you don't know what it is, you're not paying attention, you think it's you, you think it's God, and you start to entertain it. Last week we talked about this. This is how strongholds get built in our mind. We allow Satan to come in. We say, here's a hall pass, run around, build a few things. Build a stronghold. I'll let you live in it for a little bit. Now, none of us want to do that, but we do it by what we entertain when we get the word of God and we start to entertain that, now we have a different kind of stronghold being built, right? She grew in favor, Jesus grew in favor by what was given to them. They stewarded it well. In Matthew and in Mark, actually in all the gospels, the synoptic gospels anyway, you see the story of the seed and the sower, right? And when the seed was given, Well, a few things happened there, but the point was, he, Jesus says to him who has, at the end of it, he says to him who has, more will be given. But to him who he thinks he has, what he thinks he has gets taken away from him. What does this have to do with? It has to do with favor. It has to do with stewardship. It has to do with taking the word of God and meditating on that. Listen, I, it's, it baffles me how we in our Christianity have this. We in our Western church, we have this everywhere. You can get them anywhere. You can get them online. You can get them free. You can get them anywhere. But yet we don't know anything about this. Oh, we know it and we understand it. Oh, yeah, Andrew, there's 66 books there. Oh, yeah, Andrew, I know it's written over a period of 14, 1500. I know, I know, we know that stuff, but we don't know it here. We know it here. Your word I have hidden in my heart, not my head. Your word I've hidden in my heart. What is that? That's the pondering, that's the meditating. <clears throat> I said last week, I referred to Mary briefly last week, but even with Mary, when the word came to her, she pondered it, and what she was doing was she was attracting the angelic realm to enforce the very word that was given to her. Church, it's absolutely necessary for us. Every person in this room, listen to me, it's absolutely necessary for every person in this room to have a word from God that's impossible. It's impossible. There's no way. When you hear it and you go, God, how can that possibly be? There's no way that can happen. You know, anybody have words like that? Yeah, well, how do they happen? They don't happen by you going, okay, got it. I'm going to go make that happen. Certainly doesn't happen that way. I've tried. It doesn't work. The way they happen is you begin to ponder them. You begin to recognize that what he said is what he sees. And what he said is what he sees more specifically in you. So when he gives you the word, and he gives you the word, and you the word, and you the word, and 
you the word, what he's saying is, this is what I see in you. In other words, I'm coming along and I'm putting a seed inside of you. If you will ponder this thing, it will cultivate and it will grow and you will see it come to whatever I called it to be. Is this helpful? Every one of us needs an absolutely impossible word. If we don't have the impossible word, we reduce this whole thing of the kingdom and Christianity down to something that I can explain. And if I can reduce the whole thing of Christianity and the kingdom down to something that I can explain, I have reduced him to my image instead of me being conformed into his. I want to look like him. I want him to leak out of me wherever I go. I want the kingdom, all of heaven, to be so resonating inside of my heart and in my mind and in my thoughts that I can't help but leak this. I leaked a few things this morning that I didn't really want to leak. It happens. But one thing I refuse to do is get myself in a place of like, oh, God, man, I really am a mess. God, I am such a... I am so messed up on the inside. Look at me. I have, oh. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not alone in this. That kind of thinking is not God thinking. It's not. You messed up. It's okay. Get up. You fall down in the mud. It does not become your identity. You're not called, hey, you're a mudder. You are now a mudder. You fall down in the mud. You get up. You get cleaned off. And you keep walking in the direction you're supposed to walk in. Is this making sense? If we, man, I'm telling you, we would see so much transformation in the church. Hear me now. So much galactic transformation in the church if we would simply recognize that we spend way too much time thinking about ourselves. Well, Andrew, but if you don't think about what's wrong with you, won't you get prideful? No, because I'm not telling you to think about yourself. I'm telling you to think about him. I'm telling you to think about him, his finished work. I'm telling you, it's better than you think. This whole thing of the gospel is better than you think. If you don't believe me, go read Romans 5. Go read Romans 5. The vicarious man. Adam comes on the planet, wrecks everything, and doesn't give us a choice in the matter. That's my paraphrase. He comes on the planet, and he wrecks everything, and we get sin, sickness, disease, and that's what we get. Thank you very little, Adam. But in the same chapter, it says, but the last Adam came in, and because of his work, we're made righteous. Oh, guess what? You didn't get a choice in that one either. You didn't. Now, what you choose to believe will determine your destiny. The word that God is speaking to you, starting with this one right here. If you haven't gotten any other words, start with this one right here. Just hold on to stuff. That I have been made the righteousness of Christ in him. Just hold on to that one. Meditate on that one for a week or two. That you're called a saint. You're not a sinner. Come on, man. I am injecting some kingdom into you right now. (laughs) But that seems impossible. I know what my life looks like. I know what I think about, and I know what I do when nobody's around. Okay. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Don't deny that. That's fine. But please understand that anytime that kind of thing happens, it's simply because there's an area of unbelief in what he's already said. That the word that he has spoken has not been pondered. Like Mary, it wasn't pondered. 
or unlike Mary. When we ponder it, all of a sudden it begins to happen. And I believe this totally, the angelic realm. Why were there so many angels around Jesus at, his, at the declaration of his, of his um, inception, at his birth, right? Yeah. Mount of Transfiguration, yeah. death, burial, resurrection. Angels were everywhere. Why? I believe in part it's because Mary pondered the word of God. In doing so, she allowed the angelic realm to be released to do the very thing that they're supposed to do. I'm hoping this is making sense. Our minds have to, Andrew, be careful. You're going to start talking about angel worship and looking for angels. Yeah, I know angel worship is wrong, but it's equally wrong to ignore them. It's equally wrong to ignore them. I'm not just looking for angels so that I can see them be around me. I'm looking to dispatch them. I'm looking to begin to broker them and move them around. Why? Because I'm seated with him in heavenly places. They do our bidding. Yes. Yeah, that was a good one. Jesus, help us, help us, help us. <laughs> Why is this important? It's important because the words that he speaks, the very thing that he speaks are the seed which says, this is what you look like. This is who you are. This is identity. When he spoke to Mary, he said, this is identity in you. This is who you are. He didn't choose anybody else at random. He chose her. He chose Paul for a specific purpose and task. Canon of scripture is closed, but he's still choosing people to do things, right? I'm glad that we have it. I'm, I'm so glad that we have this. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what if we have a word, Andrew? What if I have a word already? And I keep holding on to it, but nothing's happening. Well... Consider for a moment how you're holding on to it. I held on to a word for years. I had a word spoken over my life when I was about 16 years old. I don't know my exact age. I was 16 or 17 years old. But I had a word spoken over my life. And I held on to it for years and years and years. Some of it I walked away from God and didn't pay attention to it. But even when I came back to God and started connecting, I held on to the word, but I was holding on to it without pondering it. What do you mean? I kept holding on to it in a passive way. I would say, God, you gave me this word, and I'm going to wait for that to happen. I like what Bill Johnson says. He says, every prophetic word that is given to you is kind of like an acorn. If you get a prophetic word that there's an oak tree in your future, he hands you an acorn. Wow. And what you do with the acorn determines if that oak tree is going to grow. Wow. Is, it really going to go, is it really going to happen? I held on to my word in a passive way, thinking, oh, someday, kind of like I was going to win some cosmic lottery. And then when my mind changed and I started to ponder it and I started to recognize it as a seed, a word spoken by God into me, that as I started to ponder that, my heart began to change. It was no longer passive. All of a sudden, I became good soil and it started to be cultivated. And I see it all the time. It's growing and growing and growing. The prophetic word that I had was somebody spoke to me, an Old Testament passage, a very obscure Old Testament passage, and he said to me, you are of the tribe of Issachar. You're of the tribe of Issachar. You're the type of people that came to David and said, you understand the times and you know what Israel needs to do. And I knew what it meant. As a 16 to 17 year old, I knew what it meant. It meant you understand because God's putting something inside of you to see what needs to happen with the church. And this is my role. I know what the church needs to do. 
And in its most simple form is we've got to come back to the pure essence of the gospel. It's been tainted for way too long. We've got too much religion. We've got too much works involved in it. Way, way too much. Guys, it's in us more than we think. Everybody in here would say, I hate religion, but we've got it in us. We do. Every one of us has it in us. Holding on to the, I'm not talking about striving to get rid of that stuff. I'm talking about holding on to the seed, the word of God, and it begins to change. Now, when my mind changed and I learned to ponder that, I saw it pondering it in action. It wasn't I was taking it and trying to make it happen. I was meditating on it. And as I meditated on it, it changed the course of my life. It changed the way I would see where, what I was doing and when I would do it. I started to ask questions different about God. I started to ask questions different about people. I, here's a piece of it. I started sharing this with you just a, a month or two ago. I, another question that came up that had to do with this word, and it was this. Everything that comes into my life, I asked the question in the last month or two, what does this have to do with revival? Because if it doesn't have anything to do with revival, then I don't want to be a part of that. I want to see sustained revival in the church. So I asked, is this making sense? There's, you have to keep asking. And here's the, if you get a word that seems impossible, wonderful. We need it. We have to have one. It's absolutely necessary that we have to have one. Here's what makes it easier for me to understand. When God gives me an impossible word, I go back to him and ask him for one even more impossible. That way it makes the first one seem a little easier. <laughs> Tell me something better. It's like that old song. Tell me something good. Yeah, right? Sorry. No, I am not. You're right. Why is this important? Because I notice this in the church a lot. We tend to take words that have been given to us from God and we hold him hostage. We hold him hostage. God, where is it? What are you going to do about it? I'm waiting for this one thing here. And he's saying, listen, I've deposited. If you will just meditate on this for a while, your mind will begin to change and you'll start to see things that are inside of that that are greater than what you've ever seen before. God, where's that word? Where is that? We use old covenant pictures. Remember when the widow was told by the prophet Elijah that she was going to have a child? She had the child and the child ended up dying. And then she runs back to the prophet and says, where is my promise? Now, we hold on to things like that, and they're good, they're valid, they're biblical. But listen, we have a new covenant. There's a new reality. We're not in separation where we have to run to a prophet, where we even have to run to God and say, where's my promise? We say, God, right here inside of it, start to manifest. Start to manifest. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense what's going on in my life, and this looks absolutely the opposite of what you've promised me. Okay, I'm meditating on this promise. I am not going to let my mind get off of this. Do you think that Jesus had the opportunity to let his mind get off of things? Because he was exposed to everything we were exposed to. He endured the same thing we had to endure. He was tempted in every way. Went through every problem, every trial. I guarantee you, you won't go through trials like he went through them. Because he had to experience them from all humanity. And mine are different than Abube's. And I might not experience the same thing he experiences, but Jesus has. You hear what I'm saying with this? If he can come back to that, a, a man, a man, and Jesus was a man, okay? He was not some apparition. He was not some figment. He was not some spiritual whatever out there. That's Gnosticism. Don't give in to that. He was a man. He endured everything. So the way out for us is in. Come back in. 
to the seed that's been spoken inside and you hold on to it and you meditate and you say, God, everything on the outside looks the opposite of what you're saying to me. I am going to meditate. I'm going to stay my mind on this. You, the word inside of me that's been injected inside, I'm going to hold on to that word until something inside of me sees something different. And I guarantee you, you will. You will see something that you haven't seen before and it will give you hope and you will begin to move in that direction and you will see that thing come to fruition. Don't hold God hostage by saying, well, that never happened. I don't know, God, I believe you and it'll happen, but I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to wait. You do it. Sounds like the generation seeking a sign. Show us a sign. Show us a sign. Yeah, no sign for you. Here's the heart of it. God will always honor his word. But he's not obligated to honor your potential. The potential is inside the word. And when it's deposited, it's what you and I do with it that determines the outcome. He will always, always, always honor his word. But he's not obligated to honor our potential. What is potential? Potential is what we started with. Potential is saying, I've got a million dollars in the bank. That's potential. That's different than saying, I got a million dollars in my hands. I got cash. All right, just stand up with me here. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the beauty. We're the ones constricted by this thing called time. And I know that our lives on this planet are defined in time. I understand that. I'm not trying to deny that. But I am simply saying this. Don't let that. Don't let your age. Don't let whatever. Oh, man, I'm hitting on something now. Don't let your age. Don't let the reality of what's happened, the inferior reality, but still the reality of what has happened in your life destroy you from your destiny. Don't let it. You don't understand. I've really messed some things up. Yeah, great. Wonderful. Stop thinking about that. Start thinking about what he's saying. Come on, this is good, guys. This is where the shift happens. This is where we begin to be more like looking like him. When we start to think like him. You ever hear that? About how married couples, you know, they've been married forever, 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 and all of a sudden they start looking like each other? Start talking like each other, acting like each other, walking the same? Hmm. Well, marriage is a picture of something greater. And aren't we married to the one? God, you look like Jesus when you walk. Awesome. (laughs) That's great. Even the little ones think it's funny. All right. Father, right now, Lord, in your Holy Spirit, what you do, Holy Spirit, you come on this planet, you guide us into all truth, you remind us of the things that are spoken, you show us things to come. Even Jesus said of Holy Spirit that he will take of what is mine and give it to you. He will take of what is mine. Does Jesus have everything? He will take of what is his and he will give it to you. Okay, so there's no lack. There's no lack. There is zero lack on his side. So for us to begin to line up with that, Holy Spirit, I want to take of what is Jesus because you're giving it to me. You're giving it to me. 
You're giving me destiny. You're giving me influence, impact. Yeah, right on. Right on. Ooh, right on. You're giving. Listen, men. You're giving. God is giving you the ability to restore your house. Okay, that's a prophetic word for somebody in here. He's giving you the ability to restore your house. It's your family. I saw that for men specifically. Not to negate women, but I'm not going to be politically correct. I saw it for men. You have the ability to repair your house, your family. There are some of you in here, some men in here who are, you're being, you're not the oldest male in your family, but you are the patriarchal male. I don't know if that makes sense. You're the one carrying the kingdom so that people will look at you and say, that's the kingdom inside. I'm going to look to that for father. It may not be your natural role, but that's who you are. You can change. Listen, this has an effect. I see this having an effect on some of you in who are married, on your wife's side of the family. I'm seeing this happen where you're having an effect on your wife's side of the family because God's depositing inside of you a patriarchal mantle to see a shift in how the Father's love is understood. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm going to speak right now to every broken relationship, every family, familial broken relationship right now, and we declare into that and we speak into that He's a father to the fatherless. And there are no, are no orphans in the body of Christ. No orphans in the body of Christ. No orphans. Here, it gets better, guys. Listen, there are no grandchildren in the body of Christ. There are just sons and daughters. There are no grandchildren. There are sons and there are daughters. All right, Lord, pray that we would hear, I pray that we would hear, that, that we would hear a word that's so impossible, that's so impossible that we would know what it would have to be you. And Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you reveal to us what it looks like to be like Mary and ponder the word. She pondered these things in her heart so that the seed of your spoken word would become something that grows inside of us and becomes the very thing that you saw in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Yeah. And I pray restoration for all that has been lost and all that has been stolen. Right now, I'm speaking all that returned right now, a hundred times what has been ripped off. Even if you, out of your own fault, lost something. Right now, I'm speaking right now a complete restoration. Complete restoration. Where there has been loss right now, in the name of Jesus, it's coming back a hundred times. The blessings of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. There is zero sorrow in it. Yeah, right there, right there, right there. Man, there's been, there's been loss that needs, right now is getting restored, right now, in the name of Jesus. It's exponentially, it's getting up to speed really quick. Really quick. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Yeah, and just right now, I'm just going to ask you to use your own words to say something along the lines of, Holy Spirit, help me steward the word. Help me remember the word. Some of you have words that have been stuck in the back of your head for way too long. You need to bring them right around to the front and see everything through that memory, through that thought. Bring it around. Yes, Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy for morning. This, the garment of praise for the spirit of or garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness right now praise let it be let it be this is who we are marked by we're people who praise we worship we're thankful we hold on to the wonderful things of God and we say I'm not letting go of that God you're good you're always good and all you do is do good things that's all you do that's all you do Yes, I feel like this. I don't want to labor this, but I feel this so strongly right now. Listen, church, pay attention. Pay attention. Don't get distracted right now. Pay attention. There's a, a catalyst, something God's wanting to do to shift this very thing that we've been asking for. And it's going to start with what's going on inside of our minds. That's where the battleground is. It's all inside of our minds. Colossians talks about it. You who used to be at enmity with God in your mind. Pay attention. Don't let any thought come in that is not consistent with the thoughts of God. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Does it line up with him? Is it right? Is it good? Does it line up with the word? Yes, I'll hold on to that. I'll meditate on that. I'll say yes to that all day long and twice on Sunday. Yes, Lord. Lord, let it be. Let it be, Lord. We want to see your kingdom coming out of us. We're not passive in this thing. We're right smack dab in the middle of it. The kingdom flowing right out of us. Rivers of living water flowing out of us, bubbling up everywhere we go. So much water around me, that's Holy Spirit, it makes people float. Yeah. Yes, Lord, let it be. Let it be. Let it be, Lord. We say that, like Mary, we say that. Let it be done according to your word according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people.